Well, good morning, Epic. My name is Cody Anderson, and I am the leader of our student ministry surge here at Epic. Um, and I just want to take a moment right now to say thank you. Um, thank you for all your prayers you guys have been sending out to Surge. We've had a very busy summer so far. Um, just to recap a little bit, about a month ago, we had 26 students and seven volunteers go over to Panama City Beach for a week and hang out over at summer camp over there. Awesome experience, great time. But then right when we got back, uh, we had the 4th of July parade. So we not only constructed, we implemented the boat in the parade. Awesome event, big trophy. It was a great time. And then a few weeks later, uh, we had three of our students and three volunteers go to Guatemala to help out with the mission team and the trip that we had over there to serve others. Um, and then coming up, not yet, coming up, we have another mission team going out. We have several more volunteers going with that. So, so cool. We just thank you guys. As an epic church family, you guys um, praying for everything that's going on in our students' life. They are the future of the church. And we just thank you very much for taking the time and praying for them. Now, if you're new to Epic or you haven't been here the past couple weeks, we are in the middle of a video series called Follow by Andy Stanley. And Andy Stanley is the lead pastor of North Point Church up in Atlanta, Georgia, a very large church. And the past two weeks, um, Andy's been teaching us that no matter who we are or who we are or who we were or what we've done, um, Jesus invites us to follow him. We're all invited to join him. And then this week, this week, he's going to be teaching us what it looks like to follow Jesus, that there is a proper attire to follow Jesus if we desire to choose so. Now, also, it may feel a little weird being up here. We're in front of a video screen, another pastor speaking, um, but I just ask that you get comfortable. Um, if he asks a question, feel free to answer, speak aloud. Um, if he says uh, a funny joke, if you think it's funny, feel free to laugh, take notes. Um, it's going to be a great time. Just feel comfortable being here. Just imagine Trent or Tim being up here on stage or him being up here on stage. Do what you would normally do. It's going to be a great time. It's very engaging. Now, I do have a couple prayer requests before we jump into this. Um, as you see, Tim isn't, or Trent isn't here today. He's actually down at another church in Orlando at High Point Church speaking today. So be praying for him. Awesome opportunity. Big things happening down there. And it's so cool that one of our lead pastors can go down to another ch church and speak to a church family down there. Very cool things happening. Um, and then also... We, as I said earlier, we have a Guatemala mission team going down to Guatemala next Saturday. So be praying for them as um, they prepare for the trip, as they're down there serving others, um, for their families as they're gone. Just take time to pray for them. There's cards on your seat. I ask that you just take that. It's a pretty good looking picture. You should put it up on your refrigerator. You know, look at it throughout the week. Great people, great group you guys have going down there. They are part of your epic family. Um, so I'm going to pray real quick, and then you guys can sit back and enjoy the video. Father God, I just thank you for this epic family that you have here, um, just the change that you're making in our lives. And when we watch the video, Lord, I know the perception of being a Christ follower um, is sometimes fogged out there, but you clarify it, clarify it in your book, in your Bible. And Andy's going to teach upon that today, Lord. So I ask that you just bring clarity what it really looks like to follow Jesus. Um, just be with him as he's speaking to us, Lord, and just be with us so we can help engage, so we can receive and prepare uh, for the next step that you have for us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Dear Andy, 
I was reminded in your sermon about my wife using St. Joseph, the patron saint of real estate, <laughs> to sell our lake house. The only St. Joseph she could find was one holding Jesus, and I wasn't going to bury Jesus, so she did it herself. She credits St. Joseph for selling our house, though it wasn't soon enough for me. She said once the house sells, you're supposed to dig him back up and take him with you. She never found where she buried Jesus. But when the neighbor asked me what my wife was doing on her hands and knees in the yard, I told her that she was looking for Jesus. Now, if you weren't here last week, you have no idea what that was about. That's because you missed church and we don't want you to miss. And so just in case you missed, you can go to followseries.org, followseries.org. And last week's message is up there waiting on you to be there for the rest of your life, actually. All these messages will be and we associate or attach some questions to each one. So if you're doing a Bible study in your dorm or you're doing Bible study at home or in your, you're doing a small group in your neighborhood, you can all watch these messages together even if you miss one, even if you're traveling, download the questions and uh, you'll have a, have a nice little Bible study there and don't tell anybody the questions are there and they'll think that you made them up yourself. Anyway, we're in a series called Follow. This is part four, and we're talking about following Jesus. And a real, uh, real quick update, uh, recap rather, we said a couple things that are uh, relevant to all of us. First of all, that all of Jesus' first century followers, all of them were unbelievers and sinners, every single one of them. And so his invitation to follow is to unbelievers and sinners. In fact, it wasn't until the end of his ministry that people who actually touched him, heard him, and spent time with him actually came to full-blown faith. And so if you have questions, if you have doubts, you are invited to follow Jesus. In fact, one of Jesus' followers had a nickname, and his name was Doubting. Remember, Doubting Thomas. So that shouldn't be an impediment. We want all of you, all of us, to begin to lean into the teachings of Jesus and become Jesus followers, regardless of where you are in your lifestyle, regardless of where you are in your obedience, regardless of where you are in your knowledge, and regardless of where you are in your faith. Then last week we answered this question, if we're following Jesus, where are we going? And we said the sort of the bottom line as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and ask the question, you know, where is this going? What's Jesus' primary message? It was simply this, faith in God that overwhelms fear. Now most people would tell you that, you know, the end, the end game for Jesus is heaven. But when you actually read the words of Jesus, um, there's some of that, but that's not, the, that's not the brunt, that's not the full force of his message. And it's not be a better person, all there, there's, there's some of that in there as well. But the primary driving force of his message was Jesus wanted you and me to have faith in God that was so big, confidence in God that was so great that when in the midst of circumstances that are fearful, that we would have such great confidence in God that we would be able to obey the thing he said the most, which is fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. So that was last week. Now today, um, we're going to answer another question. The question is this, what should Jesus followers wear? What should Jesus, and I know you've been dying to know this. This is our fourth weekend. You're like, Andy, I want to become a Jesus follower, but I don't know what to wear. So today, we're going to answer the question that I know has kept you up since we began this series. What should Jesus followers wear? Now, this is important because as you know, uh, whenever someone follows someone or something, you can tell what or who they're following by what they wear. Isn't that correct? So quick quiz. I'm going to show you some pictures. You tell me who these people are following. Who's this guy following right here? <laughs> who is it? That's right, I heard that on the balcony at Browns Bridge. That's right, the Packers, okay? All right, who, who's, uh, who are these guys following right here? Oh, yeah. Now, just in case you know, if you're new to our churches, we have churches scattered all over the city, and we have different numbers of fans for different Georgia schools scattered all over the city. For so, so for some of you, this is a yay. For some of you, it's a boo. For some of you, it's a, didn't we already do Green Bay? But that's because you're not paying attention. Okay. <laughs> now, here's this one's a little bit more difficult, okay? Who are these kids following? 
That's right, Brazil's what kind of team? Soccer team, that's right. Now, the thing is, sports fans aren't the only groups that you know, follow and let people know who they're following by what they wear. Religious people do this all the time, right? So who is she following? The Prophet Muhammad, right? She's probably Muslim, right? Who are the, see, now you're afraid to yell stuff out because it's like, <laughs> can we, I know. See, you're a bunch of church people. You didn't, no one even trained you. You just, you come in the building, you start acting like church people, okay? Who are these guys following? Buddha. Yeah, they're Buddhist, pre, Buddha, Buddhist priests, okay? Some of them have sunglasses. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, you got to keep up. Now, here's, this one's a little trickier. Who are these guys following? Or what are these guys following? Sikhism. That's right, they're Sikhs. And aren't they, I mean, this is kind of strange to say, aren't they like the most handsome like guys? I mean, they're just like so cool. I mean, if, to be able to pull this off and to look great, those are some handsome guys. Because for most of us, this is a little unusual, but when you see this, this is the fifth largest religion in the world and it's growing like crazy, okay? And so when you see, you know, that you know, headdress or headgear, you know these guys, are, you know, they're following the teachings of Sikhism. They're Sikhs, okay? Now, so which brings us to our question, you know, what... What should Christians wear? Or let's not even use that word. What should Jesus' followers wear? If you know what somebody's following by what they wear, what should Jesus' followers wear? And we have a couple of options. Here's option number one. There's this. Okay? Now, on the far other end of the spectrum, there's this. Yeah. God hates you. Well, that just makes me want to just run in your direction and just be, be like you, right? So those are the two ends of the spectrum. Now here, here's something that you, you may not believe and you had to come to the church to, to believe this. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul tells us what Jesus' followers are supposed to wear. Now that should make you nervous because he was writing you know, 2,000 years ago before the invention of buttons or zippers, okay? He tells us what to wear, and to kind of to set us up for this, actually, the Apostle Paul, in case you didn't know, he, was, he came into the world, or he came into history known as Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, and you may appreciate this about him, hated Christians. In fact, these are his words. In, in the New Testament, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four stories of Jesus. And then there's the book of Acts, A-C-T-S, and it's the story of what happened after Jesus left, and that's where we, we discovered the Apostle Paul, historical figure, and he says, these are his words in Acts chapter 26, he was a Christian hunter. He hunted Christians down to put them in jail and to see them put to death. So you hate Christians, he hated them more. If you'd like to see some Christians put in jail, you should read the teachings of the Apostle Paul because he, he felt that way. He wanted, to put, he wanted to put all Christianity out of business. He was gonna squash this new sort of Jewish um, cultic knockoff religion. He was gonna get rid of the whole thing. And then in the process of putting Christians in jail and putting Christians in in prison, he actually became one. And then he started planting all these little churches. And so then, and then he began writing letters to these churches to coach them along and help them do a better job. And so the thing is, the, everything the Apostle Paul knew about the teachings of Jesus, he learned not from Jesus because he wasn't one of Jesus' followers when Jesus was on the planet. He actually was a follower of the people who followed Jesus. So he knew Matthew and he knew John, and he definitely knew Luke. He traveled all over the, the world with Luke. Um, he knew Jesus' mother, no doubt. He knew, he knew all, he knew Peter for sure. He knew all these guys, and so he got the teachings of Jesus from the people that got the teachings from Jesus. 
And so as he began to you know, flesh out the teachings of Jesus, he would take what Jesus taught and make it even more practical for these Gentile Christians like most of us who didn't have a Jewish background. And the primary teaching of Jesus, the primary teaching of Jesus that the Apostle Paul leveraged over and over and over and over was something Jesus said right at the very end of his time on the planet. Um, Judas had already betrayed Jesus. You may be familiar with that story. Jesus is close to being arrested. He gathers his closest guys together, his apostles, and he tells them, he says, look, I'm about to leave. And where I'm going, now this, imagine if you've been following Jesus for three years, imagine how, imagine how this struck you. He said, I'm about to leave and where I'm going, you can't follow. And I was like, what, you're, you know, we've been following you, you're going somewhere, you know, where are you going? We wanna follow you and their brain kinda gets stuck there. And then as he introduces that idea, then he brings it to bear and he focuses in on the kind of main thing of all the main things that he would teach them in terms of the practical follow me kind of living. Here's what he said, we've, we've looked at this before so I'll hit this kinda quick. He said, a new command I give you, you've heard this before I bet, a new command I give you, here it is, love one another. To which we say, that's not new. I, I've heard that my whole life. And Jesus would say, I know you've heard that your whole life, but I'm not finished yet, okay? A new command I give you, love one another. And then he ups the bar. As I have loved you, you must love one another. If you, don't, if you forget everything else I say, you are to love one another, he says to these guys, and you are to love each other, not the way you love each other. You're not supposed to one another, one another, the way you want another, one another. You are to one another the way I have one another. You're to take your cue from me. And he would say, maybe, Matthew, because we talked about this a few weeks ago, if you were here. Matthew, you remember that day we walked up and you're collecting taxes and Peter wanted to spit on you. And before he could spit on you, I said, Matthew, before you've changed a thing, before you've changed anything about what you believe about me, before you're even sure what I'm about, Matthew, would you follow me? Would you join my posse? You remember that, Matthew? Remember how you felt that day, Matthew? Yeah. Well, I want you to love these guys the way I loved you that day. Nathaniel, you remember what you said about me? You remember the very first thing that came out of your mouth about me, Nathaniel, do you remember that? Yeah, here's what it was, Nathaniel. I, I, I remember this specifically. John, write this down. Can anything good come from Nazareth? You dished my whole family, my city, my town, my relatives. I mean, now, can anything good? You remember you said that about me, Nathaniel? Yeah, okay. You remember how I responded? I said, Nathaniel, follow me. Hey, guys, you remember the day I preached that sermon about eat my flesh, drink my blood, and it freaked everybody out, and all of you guys were gonna leave, and they're all looking around the room, yeah. He says, do you remember how I responded when I knew that you were about to abandon me? I chose not to abandon you. Yeah, we remember that, okay. So when I say I want you to love as I've loved, that's the kind of love I'm talking about. And then he said this. And this is the part that just drove so much of what the Apostle Paul would teach to the new Christians in these churches that he would plant. By this, this kind of love, this love the way I've loved you. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples and disciple is a follower. That's where we get the word. It's just disciple, follow, follow, follow. He says, by this kind of unusual love, everyone will know that you're my disciple if you love one another. In other words, this is the mark. This is what people are gonna see. This is how I want people to distinguish you. This is the thing about you that I want them to look at and see and feel and experience and go, oh, he or she must be. Jesus follower, now this is huge. This is the only time Jesus said, this is the thing that I want to mark you as my follower. <laughs> and Simon Peter responds, 
And Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? What? Yeah, you know you that thing you said about 10 minutes ago about you're going somewhere? Where are you going? Jesus is thinking, okay, I, I just gave you like the main thing. I know, but where are you going? See, they're just kind of like us. It's like, yeah, 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 you love one another, love one another. Okay, uh, Andy, okay, my wife, you know, she has this thing and it bugs me and I'm wondering, okay, I know I love one another, love one another, but there's this guy at work and I just can't stand him and I'm wondering, can I get a job at the church? It's like, so again, the whole love one another thing, we've heard it so many times and Jesus says, look, this isn't just a throwaway, this isn't a religious line, this isn't something to blend into some worship song, I'm telling you, I want this to mark you. And here's the problem. In all religions, Christianity, you name it, and all the religions, I'll just pick on us because we're in the room, in all religions, the gravitational pull is away from treating people well and towards some kind of routine or ritual. Or the way I said it here is the gravitational pull of religion is always toward rule keeping rather than relationship building. All religions, and I'll tell you why. Because I am in control when it comes to rule keeping. And I would rather God love me because I did this and I did this and I never did this and when I did this, I always apologized and when I did this, I asked for forgiveness and when I did this, I felt really, really bad about it and then when I did it again, I still felt really, really bad about it and I decided, I think I'm just gonna keep doing that and feel bad about it until God to forgive me and so I kind of create this religion to where I can make things right with God so me and God are cool but I can hate you and it's okay to hate you as long as I love God and God's going, that's great. And Jesus says, okay, I just wanna make sure that this doesn't go there because the gravitational pull of all religion, the gravitational pull of all religion is towards some sort of tradition, and traditions are good, some kind of ritual, rituals are good, some kind of rule-keeping scheme, rule-keeping's good, all of these things that replaces the priority of treating people well. In fact, it gets so bad. In fact, some of you, this would be your story. Some of you have been mistreated in the name of religion. Some of you've been mistreated in the name of Jesus. Somebody said to you, you can't, or you can't, or we don't want you, or da-da-da-da-da-da-da, why not? Well, because the church teaches, or our church teaches, or Jesus taught, and so in essence, they rejected you in the name of Jesus who died for you. And I don't know, I'm just guessing, this isn't in the Bible, but I just don't think Jesus is fond of his followers who mistreat the people he died for. I just think that's weird. And Jesus knew if I just leave these guys the way it is, it's going to become one of those religions where they're going to say, well, let's just all teach what Jesus taught and try to do what Jesus did. And it's all about Jesus, 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 Jesus. Now, I don't have to treat you nice as long as I just kind of figure out a way to the formula to make Jesus happy with me. So he says, okay, let me just be really clear. The thing, the thing, the thing that is going to distinguish you, the thing that should be a stamp on your behavior and a stamp on your lifestyle, is the way you love other people. And I'm not asking you to love them the way they deserve to be loved. I'm asking you to love them the way that I have loved you. And don't you ever try to substitute some ritual, rule-keeping tradition. This is what I do on Sunday and Sunday afternoon and I read my Bible and pray. Don't you ever try to replace the way you treat people with some kind of ritual or routine because that's not the thing that I want to distinguish you, characterize you as one of my followers. In Christianity in particular, it's so easy, it's so easy to confuse discipline with discipleship. Again, discipleship's just a fancy word for followship, to follow. It's so easy to confuse. As long as I have my disciplines, my prayer time, and I go to church, and I don't, and I do, and I do, and I don't, and I'm such a disciplined, and I'm becoming a more disciplined person, that somehow that, that substitutes for actually following Jesus as it relates 
to how we treat other people. In fact, it's why some of you haven't gone to church in a while. <laughs> you met too many church people, right? That's why you don't read your Bible. The person you know that knows the most scripture is the meanest person you know. <laughs> because, I'm just telling, it's not really necessarily their fault. All religion gravitates toward rule keeping away from relationship development and maintenance. And I'm telling you why, because it is much easier. It is much easier to check things off a list than it is to love people who are hard to love. Jesus said, I'm not buying it, and this is the thing that I want to be different about you. So, 20 years goes by since Jesus says that. Not 120 years, you know, it's an oral tradition, everything got changed, and people wrote the Bible, it got all mixed up, okay? Somebody told you that in your freshman English class, you've never investigated it, not true, okay? 20-something years later, about 22 years later, after Jesus, 22, 22 years later, the Apostle Paul is now a Christian, He's going all around the Mediterranean rim, you know, walking into synagogues saying, hey, God has done something unusual in Jerusalem. Jesus has come. He's the Messiah. The Jewish people in the synagogue pick him up, throw him out, and then about eight or nine people sneak out there at night and say, hey, we want to hear more about that. And Paul would take these Jewish people and some Gentile people and he would start a church. Then he would get on a ship that you wouldn't dream of getting on. Wouldn't dream of it. And goes across the Mediterranean Sea and all along the Mediterranean rim doing this over and over and over and over and over. And then, as I said, he begins to coach these people through these letters that he writes. And he sees that they begin to do the very thing all religious people do. That they come up with some formula and a tradition and here's how we do and here's how we don't. And they began to use their religion as an excuse to miss treat people. So in so many of his letters, it's all about, okay, okay, let's go back to basics. Let's go back to basics. And instead of just saying, love one another, although he says that in some of his epistles, the apostle Paul took this idea of loving each other and he made it specific. And he gave us words and he gave us adjectives and he gave us nouns and he said, these are the kinds of things that should characterize a Jesus follower. So in the book of Colossians, which is really just a letter that he wrote to the church in Colossae, it's about 100 miles from Ephesus, um, you know, real important city back a long time ago, not so much anymore. He, he wrote this letter, and in this letter, he actually talks about this, you know, here's how you're, you're to love, but specifically, he relates it to what Jesus followers are supposed to wear. So the book of Colossians chapter three, if you brought your Bible, you can begin to look or get to your Bible or get to your Bible, or you can just follow me on the screen which is what most people do. Okay, so Colossians, which is fine, it's fine. You read it at home. Colossians chapter three, here's, here's what he says, ready? Therefore, as God's chosen people, now he's writing to Christians, all right? As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself, here it is, clothe yourself. I wanna tell you what to wear. I wanna tell you how to clothe yourself. And no, it's not gonna be, you know, Christian, T-shirts, right? Clothe yourself. And then he gives us very, very specific things. And there's this imagery that somehow Jesus followers are to kind of mentally, maybe even emotionally, put these things on. Here's what he says to clothe you. He says, clothe yourself with compassion. Now, in the Greek text, there's actually two terms that, that are translated into compassion. And it really, you know, the term, that, the phrase that we use in English language, love somebody with all your heart, I love you with all my heart. In Greek culture, they didn't say love with all your heart. They literally said, a little bit gross, love with all your bowels, okay, or your guts, all right? Love with all your guts or your bowels. And so these two words come together, and what he means is that you are to clothe yourself with this sense of something every one of you has experienced at some point in your life, this sense of... Oh, okay, you know, when, you, when your heart breaks or you feel compassionate, you don't feel it up here in your chest, you feel it right here. In fact, you, you should maybe try this at home, you know, when you're putting your kids to bed. 
you know, sweetheart, I love you with all my bowels. Or maybe not, okay. <laughs> Probably won't go very well. But anyway, that was the idea. He said, I want, you to clothe your, I want you to clothe yourself with a sense of compassion. Now, here's why this is important. Because this is different than you should have studied harder. Now, you've got to say you should have studied harder, but not initially. You know what? You should have worked harder. Well, they might have needed to have worked harder, but the initial reaction, the initial response, he said, I want you to be known as a group of people and as individuals who are compassionate, that you actually give off the idea that you, uh, that you feel what other people are going through, that you feel what they're experiencing, regardless of the fact that they were wrong, maybe, regardless of the fact that they could have kept that from happening to them, regardless of the fact that they didn't listen to you the first three times. I mean, you know, we all make excuses as to why we don't extend compassion. He said, but I'm telling you, I want you to put this on. I want you to wear compassion. He goes on, adds another word. Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness. Do you know what kindness is? This, is? this is so helpful. Kindness is when you loan your strength to someone else. That's what kindness is. Kindness is someone needs something to be done for them, and so you do it for them. You extend yourself. You loan them your strength. He said, I want you to, I want you to put on, I want you to put on this new habit, this new approach to life where you loan people what they need. You loan them your strength. That's when someone's kind to you. You find yourself saying, oh, you're so kind. Why? Because they did something unusual, something they didn't have to do, something they didn't owe you, and they loaned you their ability or their strength or they loaned you their capacity. He said, I want you to put on compassion, kindness. And then he said, I want you to put on humility. Now, again, everybody sort of knows what humility is, but remember, these are all things that are in relationship to other people. So humility in relationship to other people is very simple. Humility is seeing myself as I really am in relationship to other people and to God. It's viewing myself accurately. It's viewing yourself accurately as you are in relationship to others and to God. And my accurate view, the accurate view of myself in relationship to other people is that I'm nothing more than a citizen of humanity just like the rest of you. And the fact that I can jump higher or the fact that you can jump higher doesn't change the fact that we all are born to this world naked. We don't have any control over when, when we're born or who we're born to and most of us don't control when we die. That there is an equality among human beings but the thing that makes you special and the thing that makes me special isn't that you have more money or you have more talent or I have more opportunity or you were born into a better family. What makes you special is the very same thing that makes me special. That we are loved by God the Father. Humility allows me to approach you as a peer no matter what you do, don't do, how much you have, don't have, or how old you are. There's a sense in which it doesn't matter how much I've accomplished or how little I've accomplished. That we are peers in this world who live under the canopy God's love. And Paul says, now look, when people interact with you, especially if you've accomplished a lot, when people interact with you, especially if you're famous in your industry or your company or your department, your division, when people interact with you and you're the captain of the team, people interact with you and you got more money than anybody else in the group or the room, I want you to come across as someone who understands that that's not what makes you special. You're essentially like everybody else in the room. What makes you special is what makes them special. God, who's invited all of us to call him Heavenly Father, loves you unconditionally. He said, I want you to exude that kind of humility. And he goes on, gentleness. Now, this is a great word. You know what gentleness is? Gentleness is the decision 
Gentleness is the decision to respond to you in light of your strengths and weaknesses instead of responding, you out of, responding to you out of my strength. Gentleness is deciding to come to your level of strength or weakness as we interact as opposed to coming to you with my strength. It's the difference between picking up a contact lens on the end of my finger and picking up a baseball with the palm of my hand. I have the capacity to do both, but I'm going to adjust my approach and I'm going to adjust my strength according to the object of my strength. You know what that means? It means gentle people don't come into the conversation and don't maintain the relationship from the position of who they are and what they've done and their knowledge and their insight and their background and their accomplishments. They gear down to the level of the person. They're not condescending. It has nothing to do with being condescending. It has everything to do with communicating this. You ready? That my relationship with you is more important than you being impressed by me. That my relationship with you is more important than you knowing how powerful I am. Your, my relationship with you is more important than you knowing my full capacity and my full strength. And I'm going to adjust for your benefit. Gentleness. He says, and then patience. We all know what this is. Patience is basically deciding. It's a decision. Patience is the deciding to go the speed of another person. That's all it is. Patience is gearing down, gearing back, and determining, you know what? I'm gonna move at your speed instead of mine. Paul says, this is the stuff I want you to put on every morning. This is what I want you to be known for. This is what I want you to be known by. And then he summarizes with a couple of big thoughts. He says, bear with one another, or bear with each other. Literally, it's one another. Here's another one another. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have, has a grievance against someone, and then he strings it right back to what Jesus taught throughout his ministry. Look at this. He says, forgive, forgive as you've been forgiven by the people you're forgiving. No, because none of this is related to that. He says, I want you to forgive as the Lord forgave you. In fact, all of this is, I want you to be compassionate like God was compassionate with you. And I want you to be gentle like God was gentle with you. And I want you to be patient like God was patient with you. Remember how many times you said, God, I never will, and he did it again? Remember how many times you broke a promise to God? Do you know how patient God has been with you? I want you to extend that. I want you to be known for extending that same kind of patience to the people around you. And then he summarizes this way. And over all, and over all these things, like an overcoat or a vest, and over all these, th these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity, which is his fancy way of saying that basically, this is kind of the umbrella idea. This is the canopy under which all of these things hang. Love is kind of the summary word or the summary idea for everything that I've just listed for you to put on every day. So here's the whole list. This is follow where, follow where. Now, okay. Now let me just be transparent for just a second and take this the right way and you know, don't you know, give me a little grace. When I look at that, I think, okay, how am I gonna get anything done? Okay, if I, were, if I just stayed home with my preschoolers all day, that'll work. But once they're teenagers, and once I go to work, and once I have to deal with adults, and once I have to deal in the marketplace, and once I have to buy stuff and sell stuff and make a living, I mean, Andy, literally, are you kidding? I mean, this is, this is what I would expect a preacher to say, exactly. I would expect to come to church and hear a message on compassion. Kindness. In fact, when you whisper, it even makes it more religious and <laughs> gentleness and patience.
congratulations and love. And let's all hold hands and put on some short pants and get a little pen since we've been to Sunday school every weekend. Right now. <laughs> now, so let me help you with that because I'm with you. The thing that allows me to lean into this and to take it seriously is who said it. This was a guy who accomplished more in a very few years than you will accomplish in a lifetime, I hate to tell you. No one will know your name 2,000 years from now. No one will quote you. You will not start a movement that will endure through the ages. You may have a really cool company and you might have like the greatest app in the world, but 2,000 years from now, no one's gonna be talking about it. The guy who made this suggestion is the guy who got on a boat, again, you wouldn't dream of getting on, going through danger to dangerous places, got stoned, beat up, snake bit, shipwrecked, it goes on and on and on, and he planted all these little churches around the Mediterranean Rim to reach Gentile people like most of us. The reason we're here today is because not what he thought and not because of what he wrote, because of what he did. And he did it without electricity or Motrin. Unbelievable. <laughs> so, the point is, it's possible. It's, poss it's not natural. It's not gonna happen overnight. But I think Paul, if he were here, would say, oh yeah, I'm with you. Every day I have to remind myself, Paul, you type A, can't take no for an answer guy, put on compassion, put on gentleness, Put on humility. Put these things on because Jesus told us, I want people to identify you as my follower, not because of what you do on Sunday morning from 11 to noon. I want people to identify you as my follower by the way you treat other people. Now, the problem with a sermon like this is, you know, I've made it interesting, I've showed you some pictures, made you laugh, oh, I love our church, and then you go have lunch or dinner or whatever and go, that was so good, maybe, you know, I'm giving myself some credit, you know, and then you go back into your world and say, I wonder what they have for us next week, okay, and I understand that, but the goal is to actually put these things on, so I came up with a thing, to, a way to help you remember these things, okay, and it's really lame, I just want you to know, in fact, just repeat after me, that's lame, just say that. Okay, so I already got that out. So, how many of you have ever seen, don't raise your hand, have you ever seen a, a chick flick that was rated PG? Is there such thing as a PG rated chick flick? Just say chick flick. Come on, chick flick. PG. Okay, that's it. Here we go. Here we go. Here's the new list. Chick flick. PG. Thank you. That's lame okay now but i want you to remember this because chick flick is pdh and here's here's why because tomorrow see this doesn't come natural as for some of you you lean into some of this more than other things okay but for m many of us most of us i mean this is like are you kidding i mean i, I just have to quit my job and my life and my kids to, to have any of this you know to be known for any of this so th the idea is now i put kindness in there twice to make it work okay some of you need a, a double dose and if you wanna come up with your own, hey, you know, knock yourself out, you know, you can put vowels in there, I don't care. The idea is, to, is this, is that if you have a quiet time or devotional time in the morning, which I wish you did, or even if you're just getting ready for work or you're getting in the car to think, now God today, okay, I wanna put on compassion. I don't wanna just immediately react to you should have, and if you had, I, I want to at least pause and for people to sense that and God, humility. I just declare that even though I'm better than some and not as good as others, it doesn't matter. 
Because in, in your eyes were all your children. And I, I'm not, God, humility, I'm not going to leverage, you know, my strength and whatever it is that you've given me that gives me a slight advantage. God, I, I'm not doing that anymore. God, I want to be kind. God, when I just bring to my mind those opportunities I have to loan my strength to other people, to be kind. And God, to forgive, oh, it's, oh God, I, help me to forgive, not because they deserve it, but because you forgave me. And God, I want to put on love, which kind of holds all these things together. And then back to K, kindness, okay, to loan, you know, my strength. And God, help me, help me move at other people's pace to be patient. And then teach me to be gentle. I want to put on gentleness. I just want to put it on. I want to listen, and when I respond, I want to respond at their level of strength and capacity instead of just leveraging mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Putting it on. Wouldn't that be great? Chick flick, PG. <laughs> you can do that. Now, here's the thing. I, I understand this. I know this doesn't come natural. The reason I know it doesn't come natural is Jesus at the end said, okay, guys, I'm gonna tell you something new. If it was natural, he wouldn't have had to tell them, would he? They would just be doing it because we just do what's natural. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to love not the way people deserve to be loved. I want you to love like I've loved you. That's not natural. That's what I'm telling you. It's a new, not suggestion, a new command. And I want this to be the thing that distinguishes you from the people around you. Of course it's not natural. That's why the Apostle Paul said, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. It's a command. I want you, this is something you've got to do. It's in the morning. It's God, just I want to put this stuff on and when I screw it up and forget that it's, God, I want to put this stuff on. I want, I want you, and here's the thing, I want you to filter my type A personality through this stuff. I want you to filter the fact that I have a to-do list and if I don't get it done, I can't sleep. I want you to filter that through these new things I've put on. God, I want you to, God, you know I have a very low tolerance for anything other than excellence and you made me that way and I'm thanking you for that but God, I want you, I want, even as a person who's known for their commitment to excellence, I want people to say, wow, look at her go. Look at him go. Look at them gear down. Look at them slow down. Not to get less accomplished, but there's, there's just something different because I know what they're capable of and I know how strong they are and I know they have a lot they could brag about and I know they could power up, but wow, what's up with that? You see, the, here's the thing, and I'm done. The less like any of these things you are, the more noticeable they become. Now, besides, What's your option? This? Do you know what this is? These, the, the problem with this is this is all about making a point. Now, what I'm gonna say, this is so important. And this is why some of you dropped out of church a long time ago, and I understand that. This is all about making a point. Jesus did not come to make a point. He could have been here 15 minutes and been gone. No need to die on a cross to make a point. Jesus showed up to make a difference. And the church is here to make a difference. And Christians have been called to make a difference. And you already know this because you're smarter. You wouldn't be here. You understand this. The difference is made in culture and the difference is made in your marriage and the difference is made with your kids and the difference is made with your parents and the difference is made at work and the difference is made in our community. Not by that. The difference is made when people sense a genuine compassion, 
an extraordinary kindness, a gentleness that they know that it just seems beyond our capability. The difference is made when we love people the way our Heavenly Father loved us through Christ, His Son. So I would just say this, to those of you, you, you don't attend church, or it's your first time back in a long time, or you know, you're, you're thinking if you knew how bad I was, or you, you think we're all hypocrites, or yeah, I mean, I don't know what you're thinking. We're just so glad that you're here, but I, I'll tell you this. A big part, a big part perhaps, of why you dropped out of church a long time ago, or you've never given the church a second thought, is because you met too many undressed and half-dressed Christians who had the routine down, who had a ritual, who had the right words, had all the answers. They just weren't dressed properly. And I'm sorry, but I hope you will never abandon your quest to be a follower of Jesus simply because you met some of us who didn't get dressed in the morning. So I got an idea. Let's us, with all of you, tomorrow, let's clothe ourselves with chick flick PG, chick flick <laughs> PG. And you know what'll happen? You know this, some of you have a story. It'll make a difference. It'll make a difference. It'll make a difference. Because just as God's overwhelming love made a difference in you, God's overwhelming love will make a difference through you as you clothe yourself with love. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for preserving these ancient words for us. And it could have been written yesterday, not 2,000 years ago. And Father, some of us have been the victims of misguided religious people. Others of us have been a part of perpetrating terrible things on people, all kinds of rejection in the name of religion, sometimes in the name of Jesus. And we're so sorry. So give us each the wisdom to know what to do with what we just heard and then the courage to do it as we continue to endeavor to become followers of our Lord and Savior. And it's in his name we pray these things. Amen. So what are you wearing? Are you dressed to make a difference? You know, I see that list, the chick flick PG, and I could point out several things I need to work on, whether it's at work, at home. And I, I don't want to let that leave. The, I mean, as we leave, just stop at the doors. Let's go ahead and kind of take that out with us. So we're going to do a little, a little surge example here. So when I count to three, on three, let's say chick flick PG. Can we do that? All right. One, two, three. All right, a little louder. One, two, three. All right, let's get religious in here. Let's whisper it, okay? One, two, three. All right, that's creepy. Um, note to self, don't do that second service. Um, all right, now pick up your announcement sheets next to you. Uh, I have a few announcements to go over before we take off out of here. Now, for those of you that want to dive deeper in today's service, we have a spiritual growth challenge that you can pick up. We have them back at the Connection Center, or you can get online at theepicchurch.com. Also, the website that Andy showed while he was on there, which is followseries.org, has some great discuss discussion questions on there that you can download and you can go through and you can study that way also. Um, now, if you call Epic your home and you'd li like to give back what we're doing in the community and here at Epic, there's two ways that you can give. You can give online at theepicchurch.com or you can give in the giving boxes that are right behind you. Now, if you're new with us today, thank you for coming and joining us. We're so happy that you're here. Uh, if you could, just stop at the Connection Center over in the corner on your way out. We just want to meet you and give you a little information to tell you a little bit about Epic. 
Now, um, also, before you go, we have a baptism today at 16th Street North um, at 5 o'clock. So if you haven't taken that step of, of being baptized after you put your faith and trust into Jesus, um, you can go and see Tim Jones in the back. He'll answer any questions you have, and he can get you set up on that path to be able to do so. So everybody, thank you for coming and hanging out with us. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.